welcome back, funky listeners. This is your host Kyle with a, another episode of Funk Radio. And this is your host Peter. I don't have anything. So, I don't think we were able to really touch on it around when it happened, because it was in late February, but no doubt many listeners have heard the news of the electronic duo Daft Punk breaking up. It was all over the internet, it was all over the news. It seemed like there was like a a collective mourning of basically everyone, you know, between the ages of like 20 and 45. Mm Mm-hmm. We thought it'd be cool to kind of talk about Daft Punk, uh, go through their their history and their influence on music, and just kind of memorialize them and looking back on their, what, like, almost 30-year span of music creation. I don't know when I first heard or discovered Daft Punk. Yeah, I, I think there were some songs that I, I... I feel like I was kind of behind the curve with Daft Punk, because, like, there were songs that I recognized by them before college but i didn't really like consciously start to acknowledge them until college but i'm i tend to be behind the curve on a lot of just popular stuff i do remember hearing many of their song earlier songs um at like school dances and stuff even in Mm -hmm. high school because it was very danceable but in high school i was a gigantic nerd so you know (laughs) school dances weren't weren't the thing i remember the most i guess did I ever tell you I didn't go to prom? You didn't? Why? Because <laughs> I didn't feel like it. <laughs> Honestly. I don't really regret it. It's like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. High school dances are always awkward unless you're like a jock or a cheerleader kind of thing. I was neither. Middle school dances are even worse because it's like, you know, they're kind of at that age where it's like, I I, sh- I kind of like girls, but I'm also super awkward. <laughs> and like, I have to pretend like I don't like girls. Yeah. Even though I do. (laughs) And I'm 12. And I'm 12. (laughs) So yeah, I knew of Daft Punk in high school, but then exactly didn't really get into them until college. For those of you that are listening that haven't heard of Daft Punk, they are a French electronic music duo that formed in 1993 uh, in Paris, France. They're French. Their names are, I'm going to butcher this, Guy Manuel de Homan Cristo and Thomas Bengalter. Those are quite the names. Yes. Hmm. And the the duo is, you know, especially now, considered one of the most influential acts uh, in dance music. And they achieved popularity starting really in kind of the mid-90s uh, as part of the French house movement, which that's another genre we haven't really talked about is house music. That's kind of like the, I want to at some point for sure. Yeah, yeah. Let me write that down actually. Um, yeah, house music is kind of like the the birth of like popular electronic music and and electronic dance music especially. Mm-hmm. And they they were they stood out even within that scene because of their ability to fuse that kind of uh, stereotypical house music with other genres like funk, techno, disco, indie rock, and and as we'll get into with their with their um, their catalog of albums, really kind of one of a kind when it came to fusing different genres of music together. So mm-hmm. I think that's, looking back, I think that's one of the things I appreciate most about them is their ability to not be constrained by any one genre and just using whatever 
sounds good regardless of its origins. Mm -hmm. Like I said, they kind of got famous in the mid-90s, but they actually met each other back in 1987. They were students at Paris's Lycée Carnot Secondary School, and they started making music together. So uh, about five years later, in 1992, they formed a band called Darlin', which was actually named after the Beach Boys song, Darlin'. I dug up and I actually found uh, a song that they wrote called Darlin', which is, you know, I think it was their cover of the Beatles, the Beatles, Jesus, of the Beach Boys song um, that they did just kind of as a tongue-in-cheek thing because their name is Darlin'. So let's play a little clip of it and you can see how their pre-Daft Punk band sounded, I guess. You know what this reminded me of when I first heard it? Hmm. Is the band The Strokes. Yeah, um, I was kind of getting a similar feel. Which is kind of interesting because The Strokes didn't really get super popular, I think, until like the around the millennium, 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it, it's interesting, obviously, that sound somehow made its way over to the U.S. because The Strokes are from New York. But yeah, I, I definitely got picked up on that vibe and very much not Daft Punk sounding, if you're familiar with them. Oh no, yeah, but, it's like, like a completely different genre. Yeah. So the funny thing about this band, and the reason I bring this up at all, is because after you know they started playing songs, playing venues around France, um, I guess a uh, local publication called Melody Maker uh, wrote a review of them that described their music as, quote, a daft punky thrash. <laughs> and apparently they were so distraught by this poor review of their music that they broke up. <laughs> Oh, huh. But the description of the music as Daft Punky Thrash was inspiration for the name of their their new group that they formed, Daft Punk, which I thought was kind of funny. I never heard of that. That's really interesting. Yeah, I always wondered, like, where, where does the term Daft Punk comes from? Because yeah. Daft is more of a British slang, right? And they're French, yeah. so I never I never got that, but now you know. Well, um, so, so, they, so they were distraught by that feedback and broke up and then they took on that name when they rebuilt themselves basically maybe maybe as sort of a badge of like you know we're gonna make you know we're gonna make new music and we're gonna prove this reviewer wrong that you know yeah bad musicians that's cool so i thought that was kind of funny it's almost like kind of like a counterculture sort of move to do something like that and i exactly and uh that's pretty interesting yeah I i thought that was kind of fun so so yeah, basically the, the duo ended up, you know, ditching their guitars and bass and started experimenting with electronic music and thus Daft Punk was born. As they evolved from like a 90s sort of French house pioneers to sort of 2000s dance music and heroes and then all the way into the 2010s, they remained for that entire span one of dance music's most sort of iconic acts. Uh, if you've never seen them live or never seen uh, pictures of them, they wear robot helmets whenever they're basically in public and basically anonymize themselves, so to speak. Like, I don't think people have seen their actual faces in a very long time. 
that that aspect of their persona i i always think kind of made them sort of larger than life so to speak you know as these caricatures of electronic music so you completely separate the the human aspect of the performers from like the larger than lifestyle of the band and the music that they create hmm. so we're gonna kind of just go through chronologically through their album uh catalog it's despite them making music for almost 30 years they only actually released five albums which is pretty impressive um that, yeah i i would have guessed there were more than that but yeah i think that's one thing i always kind of appreciated about daft punk looking back on them as well as they were very much perfectionists with their art and mm. they had no problem putting in years and years of effort where needed to release an album right uh they were they were more kind of the taste makers in a sense where whenever they released a new album music kind of gravitated around that sound mm-hmm. their first album was called homework once once they released this in 97 they um quickly basically won acclaim uh and popularity for their skill in sort of blending house music with detroit era techno pop funk uh and hip-hop so they kind of brought in that kind of musical knowledge to the burgeoning subgenre of music that was house i want to play a song off homework that i think is probably probably the most famous song off the album but it's also my favorite it's just called da funk which i think is appropriate given that we are funk radio You can tell they're still kind of experimenting with sound and their style because a lot of the songs on homework kind of fit within to that that sort of like house dance music genre whereas in in uh, future albums they kind of break out more from that but uh no it's a really good song definitely one of my favorite daft punk songs of their whole catalog so they came up with homework in 1997 four years later they come out with their album discovery which completely took a departure from the sound that they crafted with uh, their debut album, Homework. And it really kind of implemented more 80s soft rock and R&B into their electronic sound. Mm. Uh, in Discovery, they they had just hit after hit after hit uh, coming off this album, including uh, songs like One More Time, Digital Love, Harder, Faster, Better, Stronger, basically just blew them up to you know international fame uh far more than even homework did and something else i wanted to mention regarding the album especially since uh we're gonna obviously play a song from it but if your listeners have the chance i highly encourage you to go look up the music videos for some of these songs off of discovery because what the band ended up doing that was kind of cool and i don't think ever really done before is they had a um, film, so to speak, that paired along as like a visual for the whole album. Yeah, it was like a it was like a visual, it was like a music video uh, for the entire album, kind of. Yeah, visual accompaniment for the album, huh. but it wasn't just like oh here's a bunch of music videos. It's actually like a plot thread line 
that if you watch them in the in the specific order, I guess, probably the order that they are on the album, mm-hmm. it's an entire movie. Wow. It was called Interstellar 5555, The Story of the Secret Star System. It's an anime, actually. It's animation. Hmm. And it bridges sort of science fiction, anime, um, music. And the funny thing is the, the story itself, there's no dialogue. It's all just kind of told visually with the, with the music uh, and the Daft Punk song kind of underpinning. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. I've never gone and actually watched the entire thing. But in looking up different songs for Discovery and seeing the music videos, they all had this sort of anime connectivity. It's huh. it's weird. It's like it's anime characters, but they're all blue, so they look like anime Smurfs. Um, in in researching this, I found out that the film was actually produced by Toei Animation, who, for anyone that knows anime, they're very famous. They did anime like Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, and Digimon. Huh. So the song I picked uh, that I want to use to kind of highlight the album Discovery is actually my favorite song on the album. It's it's not one of the more famous ones, but for whatever reason, I just love this song. It's 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 more somber and slow. It's not as hyped, but it's super good. And it's probably actually my favorite Daft Punk song of all Daft Punk songs. Oh, wow. So uh, we're going to play a little clip of Something About Us. I've got some kind of secret I will share with you I need you more than anything in my life I want you more than anything in my life I'll miss you more than anyone I don't know whether I've heard this one or not. I, I want to say I haven't. Huh. I don't know why. You know, like, the, there's that occasional song you listen to that just gives you chills. This yeah. is one of those songs for me. Huh. Yeah, the I, I kind of want to go watch Interstellar five 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 five. Yeah, I, I guarantee someone on YouTube or something has like strung them all together chronologically. So I I'm sure you could find it. That's that's maybe something I'll do this weekend. Uh, for Daft Punk's third album, they took an entirely different approach. Whereas Discovery, they spent basically the entire time between homework and Discovery working on Discovery. So yeah, essentially about four years. They created their third album, which is called Human After All, uh, in about six weeks. <laughs> so What? That's crazy. Yeah, it's it you could see them not only playing with musical genres, but playing with the concept of musical creation. Like, mm. you know, we were perfectionists on this album. Let's see what happens if we just burn the midnight oil and crank huh. out an album in six weeks. Um, and they really kind of stripped down their process on this album and, and really made it k- kind of a lot more raw, so to speak. And they, they said that they basically just used a handful of gear, including an eight track machine to really kind of constrain themselves in, you know, what they could create essentially. Huh. That's an interesting experiment. Right. So because of that, that this album it was deliberately a lot more raw sounding, hmm. a lot more stark. Um, and it said that uh, their songs on this album were actually inspired by George Orwell's 1984. Huh. Um, and it reached number three in France. It was a top ten hit in the UK. Uh, hit number one on the Billboard Dance and Electronic album. So I don't think it had as much mainstream success as Discovery did. Mm-hmm. But there was... Uh, 
there was a lot of really good songs to come out of this album, including um, their song Robot Rock. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a bit of an homage to Herbie Hancock's Rocket, uh, which came out in, God, like the late 80s, I think, um, and was one of the first kind of mainstream songs that really brought electronic music to the forefront. I think this song, even even the sound of it, is kind of an homage to that. Um, Got it. Rocket was 83, by the way. Thank you. So yeah, let's play a little clip of Robot Rock from their third album, Human After All. Man, I don't know how I completely forgot about this song, but I really like this one. Oh yeah, this is this song is a banger. Yeah. I always thought that was so interesting about this album is like they they stretch their creative legs by purposely constraining themselves, which I, I don't think artists often do. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, let's see how much we can do with little, you know, equipment or constraining ourselves with the type of equipment we use or what have you. Uh in between this time and their fourth album, they uh, did the soundtrack for Tron Legacy, uh, which... Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they worked on the soundtrack for the Disney movie Tron Legacy, which is a sequel to the 1980s movie Tron. Um, super cool soundtrack. Go listen to it. Um, very much more, even though it is, you know, Daft Punk, electronic music, blah, blah, blah. It's much more grandiose and sort of orchestral in a way um I, do you do you want to play any songs from it or you want to just skip past it uh actually it would be kind of cool maybe like uh god i don't have it in front of me i think like the title track was pretty cool if i remember yeah, let, right. me, let me google that really quick tron legacy music daft punk because there was good music from that album yeah i think d-rez is like the big song off the album okay well let's play that one So yeah, that was um, derezzed off of uh, their um, Tron Legacy soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. They also made a, a appearance in the movie as like literal DJs. Oh yeah, they had like cool. a little cameo. Yeah. I forgot about that. I gotta go back and watch that movie. I feel like that's one of those like underrated movies. That movie, at least, I don't remember like story-wise, I don't remember either way whether it was good or not, but visually mm-hmm. it was incredible. Oh yeah, absolutely. So for Daft Punk's fourth album which would uh turn out to sadly be fourth studio album which would turn out to sadly be their final album uh they definitely uh, once again took a very different creative track from their previous album they sought more of a sort of breezy i guess you could almost classify as yacht rock feel and yet yacht rock is a Mm. goofy term for like soft rock from like the late 70s early 80s era Bands like, you know, Fleetwood Mac, The Eagles. Um, mm. So they use that as a big influence uh, in this album. Uh, it's called, the album's name is Random Access Memories. They brought in uh, artists including Niles Rogers, um, 
from the band uh, Chic. I know we've talked about them on the show before. They big mm-hmm. big disco band. Oh, you know what? We actually uh, early on in this podcast we reviewed this album too when it first came out. Oh my god, we did! Wow. So we are getting to a point where we've been around long enough that stuff in our history topic is something that <laughs> we covered oh. at the time. <laughs> I feel old. <laughs> so, so they collaborated with artists like Nile Rodgers, Paul Williams, uh, jo- Giorgio Moroder, who was another famous uh, disco instrumentalist and producer at the time, um, and uh, and new indie bands like Panda Bear. Ironically, I know we mentioned them at the beginning of the episode, uh, but he actually also worked with the lead singer of the band, The Strokes, uh, Julian Casablancas. So oh yeah, I forgot that's kind of cool. So yeah, this album was much, much more of a collaborative process than probably any prior album that they had worked on up to that point, as far as bringing in other musicians, artists, producers, which really shows this. I mean, this album just absolutely exploded when it came mm-hmm. out. It top of charts in every country. I want to say their big single off the album, "Get Lucky," was unlike number one for. Probably, let me see how long it was on. It's crazy to me to think, while you look that up, it's crazy to me to think that in 2013, there was a disco song that was like that worldwide popular, you know? Right. It's one of those things you would never expect until it happened. Get Lucky peaked at number two on the US Billboard Hot 100, uh, giving Daft Punk their first top 10 hit in the US. That's Wow, really? That's crazy. Surprising. That's so late That's... in their career. Uh, yeah, the the song Get Lucky ended up winning Record of the Year, Best Pop Duo uh, at the 56th Grammy Awards, uh, during which Stevie Wonder joined uh, Niles Rogers, Williams, and Daft Punk on stage to perform the song. That's pretty sick. Fun fact, listeners. Um, Stevie Wonder has like 30 kids or something with like 10 different women. I don't remember the exact figures, but um, so needless to say, Stevie Wonder got lucky several times. <laughs> oh jeez so do we get to listen to a clip of this song yes uh we're gonna play a little clip of get lucky uh because it's the biggest song off the album and it's was the biggest song in the world for like the summer of 2013 we hope you listeners get lucky while you listen to this next song You know when a song gets super popular and then after, I don't know, a couple months, it's like, oh, we can't listen to that song anymore because it was just a fad at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I never got tired of this song. I still oh, like same. it. Oh, yeah. Every time the song is on, like, it's a banger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you can't say that about a lot of pop music, but that's the one thing that I think Daft Punk always did really well is none of their music feels dated. None of their music feels old. None of their music feels, uh, I, th- I think a lot of that, especially like it doesn't feel old. For example, I, I think a lot of that comes down to like, they weren't making music that was so tied into the pop uh, musical culture of the time. They were very much doing their own thing. That was so mm. agnostic of any, you know, almost you know time influences that it 
kind of just becomes timeless exactly in that sense and i think that's the thing that i appreciate so much about them is as they grew in popularity they not only were were bucking trends but they were themselves becoming trendsetters where yeah yeah the influences that they put into their music began trickling out and affecting entire genres of music where other artists started sounding like them yeah which is a pretty big deal yeah it's hard to it's hard to understate how much of an influence they had not only on electronic music uh but just music in general yeah uh, which is why i think so many people were saddened uh to hear about them basically announcing their breakup right yeah i guess that's a good uh lead in so random access memories came out in 2013 and for those of you that don't know, it's 2021. So that's about in about roughly seven or eight years. And the entire time, people are like, when are they going to come out with their next album? When are they going to come out with their next album? Because even though, yeah, as we've said, they only produce, you know, an album roughly every four or five years within their, their 28 roughly year history, um, they were kind of overdue. And yeah, well, I, I had been thinking that for a while as well. Oh, yeah. And so in February 22nd, they posted a video on YouTube that just was called Epilogue. In Mm. that video, they essentially announced their retirement from music. It didn't sound like it was a hard breakup or like, you know, anything. It was basically just, we're getting too old for this shit. (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, if, you know, if they were in their teens in 87, how how old are they at this point? Well, I mean, let's say that they are l- roughly 15 years older than us. So that would make them in like their mid mid to late 40s. Yeah. So 40, at least uh, Hamam Christo, and I assume they're probably the same age if they went to school together. Uh, they're 47. Oh, okay, I was right on the money then. So, yeah, they're, they're slowly getting up there in age. And I think they kind of just, you know, felt it was the right time to kind of break up. And a lot of people made a good point about it. They're like, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to stop making music. It doesn't mean they're going to stop producing music. It doesn't even necessarily mean they're going to stop doing stuff together. It's just they're no longer doing it under the moniker of Daft Punk. They're kind of retiring the name and the persona of yeah, rather than we're not doing music anymore. Which, Which has a lot of people curious of like, you know, are they going to come back and just ditch the robot? persona and just be something else or are they just gonna take on a more producer centric role in music and you know working with other artists so to speak Mm -hmm. they have been doing other solo things um i know that they teamed up with uh the weekend and did some stuff with him Mm. um they also uh helped produce or it says bang alter co-produced arcade fires 2017 album everything now while uh home and christo co-wrote and produced tracks for charlotte gainsburg's album rest and the weekend's 2018 ep my dear melancholy so you know outside daft punk they they do their own shit you know right maybe they're just figuring well we're already doing this we're not really doing anything with daft punk so yeah. Just maybe. close it out while and then we can just focus on doing this other stuff. Yeah. I I, I will admit that when they announced it, it, like me and probably the entire collective world between the ages of twenty and forty five were <laughs> like super sad for like a day. 
Yeah. When they did announce that, I mean, the thing I was kind of saying is like, really, if anyone has earned the right to do that, I think it's them. Um, True. Just because of how like influential they've been. I, I, I obviously like, like you, I, I, I was sad to hear that they were going to stop doing that, but especially if it, it I, I can't imagine they're just not going to do any more music at all. Like I, I think they're already kind of proving that they're doing other stuff. So yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm okay with that. If, if that's what they feel comfortable doing and they want to pursue music in a different way, you know, that could be really interesting in a way that we mm-hmm. don't even know about yet. Mm-hmm. Very true. Now I think, I think it just hit millennials really hard because it's one of those groups that for a lot of us, it's like, they've just always been around our entire lives. So it kind of feels yeah, weird to be yeah. in a world without them. And I, I still don't want to be that fan who's like, oh, because I like their music, I demand that they stay together and do it because I want more. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel yeah. like that mentality is kind of stupid. Like, no, just I, because, you know, we we buy their music or listen to the music doesn't, uh, like, they're not obligated to do anything for the fans. Yeah. At least no, in my I, opinion. Exactly. I get, I get what you're saying. And, you know, whatever they decide to do creative, creatively, I'm sure, will be supported by the fans. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, and thus ends the uh, history of Daft Punk. That was interesting. I certainly learned some new things. Thanks for doing all the research, Kyle. Um, <laughs> no no but, worries. Uh, yeah, it was fun. And I, uh, I, I'm glad that we're having a little bit of a send-off for them. Because, like, obviously we've talked about them before. And, you know, like we did at least that one review episode. I know we've mentioned them other times too, but it's good that we took a chance to actually like focus on them for an entire episode. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, this has been your robot host, Kyle. And this has been the robot with the other head, Peter. (laughs) I always thought they make really, they would make really good Lego figures. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Actually, I think I saw some people who had made like custom ones of oh, their, sure. like, their helmets and stuff. They it took cool. like the, the astronaut helmet or something and like changed yeah. it. So yeah, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to listen to other stuff, you can find us on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, I think it's called now. It's just go on Spotify. Yeah, I was going to say, just go on Spotify. I don't know anyone that uses Google Podcasts. Um, I mean, we're on there because we can be and it's easy, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I, I, you know, if you want to go on Spotify, that's fine. But where they should really go, Kyle, is uh, our own website that we made that hosts all of our uh, soundtracks. Jesus, that hosts all of our episodes. It's called getyourfunk.com, uh, where yeah. you can go and listen to us until you die. We also have a tip page on there where you can give us money because we're poor and we need financial support from listeners like you. We're just like PBS. Well, we actually do have multiple episodes about PBS-related things in the past. So, listeners, you can search for PBS on our website, and you'll see what those episodes are. Because I'm not going to tell you. Uh, all right, well, my brain's dying, so uh, I guess we can end it here. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We will be talking next time. Bye. We love you.